Blog Talk Radio. The heat's going up during these hot summer months, but it's always cool right here with cool jazz, served up with impeccable style on the Bridget Lewis Coffee Talk Jazz Radio Show. You know, if music were about pictures, well, you'd hear and you'd see in your mind's eye percussionists, pianists, violins, and trumpeters, a true kaleidoscope of the hottest style and colors on any given show. That's what Bridget's serving up. You'll hear generous tastes of Latin jazz, swing, bebop, salsa, and gospel jazz, and other infectious grooves as they collide and churn in a fiery swirl. So get up close and personal. Come on, join the jazz conversation with Miss Bridget Lewis, also known as the Coffee Lady, right here on Coffee Talk Jazz Radio LA. Enjoy the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to an afternoon edition of Coffee Talk Jazz Radio. Something big is brewing, and we have a huge show planned for you. I am your host, Miss Bridget Lewis, also known as the Coffee Lady. Today is Tuesday, September 11th, 2012, and we will be talking about this special day momentarily. But for now, we're kicking off this afternoon's party with some ice-blended vanilla chai coffee with a touch of cinnamon. Won't you join me? We are broadcasting live from Los Angeles, California, and we just closed out Audacious August. And we're kicking off Super September with our Living Legend series. We had an insightful interview with Grammy-winning percussionist, drummist, and vibe uh, maestro Harvey Mason of the supergroup Foreplay on September the 4th. But before I introduce our guest, I'd like to introduce my very special co-host, Reggie the Jazz Man of Smooth Jazz Mixes. Hey, Reggie, how are you? Bridget, I'm excited. It's a blessing to be here with you and to take part in this very special second part in the Living Legend series. Um, I can't wait to talk to Mr. Loeb, <laughs> and um, this is just going to be another phenomenal experience. All right. Awesome. So, uh, Twitter is open. You can follow us at hashtag at Coffee Talk Jazz. The chat room is open as well. The Musician's Corner is coming up, and what's happening <clears throat> now is just around the bend, and we're sure to light those birthday candles. We'll also touch on our music foundation, and of course, we'll be giving away CDs from our coffee cart. If you're a first-time listener and new to Coffee Talk Jazz Radio, I'd love to welcome you. Our show's call-in number is one three four seven nine three four zero one zero eight. Now, I'd like to introduce this afternoon's guest. His name is Chuck Loeb. Veteran guitarist Chuck Loeb is a guitarist <coughs> known for his ability to play anything no matter how difficult. He's the consummate musician in a career that spans four decades. He's proven himself to be a versatile composer, arranger, music producer in a wide array of musical styles and contexts. Chuck's commitment to the art of contemporary music is realized through his continued involvement in music education in public schools, seminars, clinics, and performances. 
Chuck strongly believes in music programs of all levels of education. This is one of many reasons why he's our living legend. I'd like to welcome the newest member to the Coffee Talk Jazz family, Mr. Chuck Loeb of Supergroup 4 Play. Hey, Chuck. Hey there. Hi, Bridget. How are you? How are you? I'm great. Oh, good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Well, welcome, well. To, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Well, God, we've been anticipating your show um, actually uh, since February, since I spoke uh, with Nathan East, um, your bandmate. And I uh, want to just introduce you very quickly to my very special co-host, Reggie the Jazzman from Smooth Jazz Mixes. Hey, Chuck, it's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> Thanks. Pleasure for me, too. All right. Awesome. So you have an amazing career. And so I really just want to go back and just take it to your roots for just a few moments. And um, you started out um, on the East Coast. You've had such an insatiable appetite and love for music, um, almost from the knee up. And so tell us a little bit about your um, formative years in music, and then we'll just move forward. Okay, well, I, I uh, was lucky to have grown up in New York City, in the, in the area of New York City, about 20 miles upstate. And so it was a very vital place to grow up as a musician. There was so much going on, especially when I was a youngster in the 60s. And uh, I started playing when I was pretty young. I was about 11 years old, decided I'd be a guitarist and, and a composer right from the beginning. I just, I don't know how I knew it, but I knew it right away and feel lucky to have done that. And, uh, you know, I, I studied a bunch around there and I ended up going up to Boston to Berkeley to study. And once I started my career in New York, it went pretty quickly. I, I joined uh, the band of the legendary saxophonist Stan Getz when I was in my early 20s after doing a bunch of other um, gigs around town with Hubert Laws and Chico Hamilton and Ray Barreto, a bunch of different people. But Stan really propelled me to the world stage. And I became a studio musician and, and did a, just a ton of sessions for about, oh, you know, 15 years uh, in New York while Meanwhile, keeping going with my career, and ended up becoming uh, a recording artist in, in the uh, too many years ago for me to mention, and uh, <laughs> and, and as a producer as well. And uh, you know, I've lucky, I'm you know very lucky to have worked with some of the great artists in the, in the area that I work in, which is contemporary jazz. Sure. Wow. And to be in, I should say, I should say, to be in foreplay is is such a thrill. It's a, it's a really just an amazing. Uh, um, Feather to put, to put in my cap after what's been just a great career, just to be with these three guys. It's just I can't tell you what a thrill it is. Sure, um, I will share with you a little bit later on as we move forward some of the great things that Harvey Mason had to say about you live on air. So we'll be touching on that. But um, what a lifetime and a once in a once in a lifetime opportunity to have the ability and the chance to study with the great uh, Stan Getz. And uh, for our fans that are listening. Um, Sam Getz, as he mentioned before, was Chuck's mentor, and he was one of the all-time great tenor saxophonists. He was also known as the sound because of he had the most beautiful pitch and tone uh, on the saxophone, and sax is one of my favorite instruments. So uh, I have so much music um, from Stan Getz, and um, he played everything from hard bop to post-bop, Brazilian uh, West Coast jazz, Bossa Nova jazz, and so you have the ability um, to glean all this musical wisdom from him. And let me ask you, what's one thing that stands out that he um, taught you? 
for you under his tutelage? Well, you know, playing with him every night, going up on stage, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that Stan was all about sound. As you said, he had an inimitable sound. And what, I, what struck me from, from right from the beginning was he would go out and he'd play one note, and in that one note, he just captivated the audience. It was such a beautiful, sensual sound that he had. And he was focused on drawing people in. And that has really stuck with me. Sound is such an important, you know, music is made of notes and rhythms and harmonies and, you know, different melodies and textures. But the actual sound of your instrument is where it all begins. And that's something I really learned from, from Stan. You know, like economy of notes. You just play one note and you can say so much with it. Oh, I'm going to have to use that one, the economy of notes. Ooh, that was rich. Thank you. I tell yes, you, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Red, did you, uh, did you want to add to that? Do you have any questions for Chuck? Well, just reading about the time that you, you had with um, the late, great uh, Stan Getz, um, how did you actually end up playing with him? Did he find you, or did you have to audition? I actually auditioned. It was a period where Stan didn't have a guitarist in his band, and, and uh, in the late 70s he decided to add one. And some of my friends recommended me to go and play with them. I went to a rehearsal that they were having at uh, at one of the band members' homes, and we played. We played a song or two, and then he said, "Do you write music?" Now you have to remember, Stan was not a composer. He he was an interpreter, so he he always encouraged members of his band to compose because he didn't. So he asked me in the middle of the rehearsal, he said, do you compose? And I said, yes. And he said, do you have any music? And I did. And I, I brought out a chart uh, from one of my songs. And when he played that song later, he, I didn't know it that day, but later he told me that he loved my playing, but it was actually the composition uh, that made up his mind to choose me over some of the other guys. And um, I eventually ended up being the musical director in the band, and actually about about 60 or 70% of the music we played towards the end of my stay with him was my own compositions, which was, you can imagine what a thrill that was. Oh, that, Chuck, that is the start of a great career. What a great start. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it, it really was. And what a testament, I said, to learn from absolutely one of the best and um, – I know that, that the late, great Stan Getz was a musician's musician, and to have him endorse you the way that he did and then later on become the musical director that said so much about uh, your learning style and um, how much he thought about you know, your playing uh, as well. And I want to go back just for a moment. I want to talk a little bit more about your education because I know that you were, you were self-taught, and then you realized, from a pretty early age, you know, and I was really born to do this. And so you decided to get into um, some formal training, and you actually attended one of the best schools in the country. Uh, after studying under Jim Hall, we'll talk about in a second, you enrolled at the great Berkeley College of Music uh, in Boston. And share a little bit about your experience um, at Berkeley, and then I'll add a little bit more to that. Okay, well, um, I would say that what you would hope from a, from a – college um, or studying experience is that it would stay with you, right? That you would be picked up. Oh, yes, absolutely. And and the greatest thing about Berkeley is that I can honestly say that to this day, I utilize on a 
pretty much on a daily basis all the things that I learned as a student at Berkeley. So um, it was not just a conceptual thing, wasn't just going through the motions. They, they really taught me useful and actually I would say fundamental things that, uh, that you need when you go out and try to be a, a performer, a composer, an arranger, a producer. Uh, and it was very effective. So I, I can't say enough about it. I had some great teachers up there. Um, and then the other, you know, the other thing about it, there were 1,200 students in the um, freshman class. 800 of them were guitar players. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the competition was stiff. So I, you know, so it really, it really, you know, made you, it was either make it, you know, it was going to make or break you. So um, I, I dove in head first and, and I, I would go and we kind of have these jam sessions or cutting sessions with five or six guitar players. It was a great thing because it really, you know, got you to hone your skills and be ready for the, for the, knife, the guitar knife fight, you know? Sure. Well, um, Berkeley College of Music is such an amazing and great school, and I tell you, there have been uh, 221 Grammy winners that have come out of Berkeley, and I'll just I'll name a few of them. Uh, the great Esperanza Spaulding, who I know that you all were actually on tour with her not too long ago um, during your overseas travel. Um, Terry Lynn Carrington, of course I'm naming females. Um, yep. Gail Johnson, musical director for Norman Brown. Jane Saxamo Gates, um, Walter Beasley, and I go, there must have been something in the water or something because, I mean, everyone that I have had a chance to interact with and, and interview, and um, it just seems as if they've come out hit, hitting the ground running, and each person that I've had a chance to interview has come out and has done something so wonderful and amazing uh, in their career, so... Hats off to Berkeley um, that we get a chance to listen to everything that you've learned and things that, that you're sharing. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's a, it was a pretty special and continues to be a very special place. Well, Chuck, Chuck, I have a question for you. In regards to Berkeley, while you were attending, um, is there anyone who's out currently that you went to school with? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, when When I was there... I went with a drummer. It was funny because we didn't even know he was a drummer when he was in my theory class or harmony class. I just remember from the roll call, people would say, you know, they'd call off your name, and then he and I, they'd say, Vinny Caliuta? And he'd say, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> and, you know, Vinny is, you know, arguably one of the, certainly most in most demand and arguably one, maybe one of the two or three best drummers on the on the planet. Yeah, and, I you know, know. <laughs> and it played from anywhere from Herbie Hancock to, to Sting to, you know, so many. I mean, I can't even. And so Vinny was there. Uh, the great guitarist Mike Stern was there. Um, uh, John Schofield. Bill Frizzell, great guitar player, was there with me. We, we played a little together back then. Um, just and Walter. Beasley. Walter was a little bit after me. Um, so, But there was many, many people uh, that went through that school. By the way, um, Bob James went there. I think for one semester he went to, uh, to Berkeley way back. I don't think there were cars when he went. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He had to get there on horseback, I believe. But. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> don't tell wow. Me. Don't tell me. Oh, it's, we're on the air. Okay. <laughs> 
here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this new project, uh, Esprit de Four, <clears throat> the Spirit of Four, your brand-new project from this super Grammy-winning group, Foreplay. And um, the CD has already, already hit number two, and technically it's not out just yet, but some of us do have the music. So a big congratulations uh, to everyone who participated. Um, it's, just, it's, it's an amazing piece. It's an amazing piece of work. So I would love to get, uh, get into some of this great music, Chuck. And the first piece that I'd love to play is Logic of Love. You want to set this one up for us, Logic of Love, which is track number seven? Yeah, sure. Um, I, there's two parts to this uh, song. One is that it became it came to, to existence uh, by being a guitar piece because the very introduction, it starts with just a guitar, and uh, the very introduction is kind of a little almost guitar etude, let's say. And then, you know, I extrapolated more and more and grew it into a song. But when I brought it into the band, um, and this happens when you're working with Bob James, Nathan East, and Harvey Mason, the thing just took on this other life, you know, it became sort of this epic thing. And, uh, you know, it just it's such a thrill, you know, if you can write something uh, and not know exactly what it's going to end up being and then see musicians of this stature take it and shape it into something really extraordinary. I'm so happy with the way it came out. Now, I'd, I'd love to, uh, to listen to it. All right. Let's take a listen, shall we?
the supergroup uh, foreplay. But now, our focus right now, we want to talk about Chuck. And here is what his fellow musicians are saying about him. I'm not sure if he knows it or not, but I want to just share a few of um, a few of the wonderful words that have come through. Um, Jim Hall says, um, Chuck's extraordinary talent has allowed him to explore every possible facet of guitar playing, solo and rhythm section, reading or playing by ear in, in one musical setting, jazz, classical, or rock. The next person, Michael Brecker, um, Chuck Loeb is a complete musician and composer who makes playing the guitar look easy. While this seems um, effortless is achieved through Chuck's great veracity, he never lets his chops overpower his musicality and lyricism. Chuck's solos and compositions have a natural earthy feel and are simply expressed. He's one of the greatest guitarists. Now, how do you feel, Chuck, when you hear this coming from your constituents, people that you have watched for years? Well, I'm kind of, I'm very humbled by it, and, and I'm sitting here blushing, uh, hearing those words. You know, it's um, it's pretty amazing. I, we were talking about Stan Getz before, and saxophone, but you know, Michael Brecker. Um, oh my goodness! If you want to talk about saxophone bookends, Stan Getz and Michael Brecker are pretty good ones, and I've been, you know, always thought that. The time that I spent, I was in a band called Steps Ahead in the mid-'80s with Michael. And it was Michael and Mike Minieri and myself and Victor Bailey and the great Peter Erskine on drums. And um, that band, um, up until now with Foreplay, was was what one of my very highest points of my career because I considered Michael, Michael to be one of the greats of all time. May may not be as recognized as some of the other people but he is one of the greatest musicians I've ever known. We miss him a lot. You know, he passed away a few years ago. And, uh, sure. you know, to hear those words that he said about me, uh, is strange. And uh, Jim Hall, um, you know, he's a true poet of the guitar. And, and you know, he's now in his 80s. Uh, we, we we saw each other a couple of years ago. We did a show together in, in France. And uh, he had been in the hospital quite a bit for his back and everything. But he's still out there playing Man, he sounded so great, and and uh, it's just so generous and kind for him to say those things about me. I, I just uh, that makes gives me chills. What can I say? Wow. I want to um, just ask you this because we talked about the last song, "Logic of Love," and you had mentioned that um, Mr. Bob James it was his idea to have the video um, put together for Firefly. So this is really a two-part question, but I'll ask you this first. Um, mm-hmm. Social media has had a tremendous impact on how uh, fans and indie artists and record labels share their music um, with, you know, industry insiders and songwriters. How has social media allowed you um, to become more relevant and get a little bit more up close and personal with your fans because they love you? Forty years, they love you. They want to touch you. Well, you know, it's it's an it's an amazing thing. It's incredible. Um, I just while we were listening to Logic of Love, I I tweeted the fact that I'm talking to you online and you know, things <laughs> like that. People people really love that and and they know what you're doing. And and um, I the the fact that the fans and people that love me and other musicians, I should say as well, sure, yeah, this, 
forum to interact with each other, um, it's just invaluable. It's incredible. It's really um, taking music. See, the thing is, is that we've seen in the last, oh, let's say 15 years or, or 20 years even, um, we've seen the music change and the, the record, quote-unquote, record industry or CD industry has had a tough time, you know, because yes, it they has. download and they, they get their music in other ways. And radio, radio stations, too, become more Internet-based, and, and some of the terrestrial radio stations have, have fallen by the wayside. There used to be, uh, you know, uh, big stations in, in New York and Boston and, and uh, Philly, and those they're, they're not there anymore because right. people are getting their music in a different way. Now, I, I don't want to go on too long about this, but the thing that's so encouraging about Facebook and Twitter and all the other and, and shows like yours that are on the, in, in the Internet uh, world and social media, what's so encouraging is you could think because of uh, the troubles in the other areas of the music business that, that the fans had gone away. Well, that is so not the case. As a matter <laughs> of fact, it's just the opposite. I think I've become aware of just the multitude of new fans and, and, and of course, all the fans that are still there and love this music um, because of social media. And so I I have to say right now, this last month or so, I have taken a little bit of a break from from some of the interac- interaction. I made a conscious decision because I'm very much involved with Facebook and Twitter. I made a conscious, conscious um, effort to say, okay, I'm going to take a little break for a while because I'm with my family. I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking to you from, from a, um, my family's home in another country. You probably wouldn't have known that, but I'm in Spain right now. Yeah. And my wife, my wife is from Spain, and so the, you know, I'm taking a little break for a vacation, but it's so important to me, and I get so much gratification from being able to answer questions from people and to hear their ideas, and for them to know what I'm doing on a daily basis when I'm on the road. If I see a beautiful mountain, I take a picture of it, or I meet uh, one of my heroes, and I can take a picture of myself with Quincy Jones or or uh, John McLaughlin and be able to post it. People know about it right away and boy is that thrilling and exciting and it just brings both the fans and the musicians closer together and uh, what could be wrong with that wow i tell you you said a mouthful and yes, did. Yes, you know did. um with the tentacles of social media i mean mm-hmm. some folks just folks people who don't tweet or are not on facebook or not on linkedin or yelp or manta i mean i am like a it's I'm I'm really surprised at myself. I am like a tech junkie, social media junkie. I mean, I love to write, love to tweet because it really does get you up close and personal and gives you a chance to really get behind the scenes. And so, as I mentioned before, the tentacles are of social media. I mean, they're so far-reaching, and they can help companies you know, build a stronger brand and, and move you in and out of places and spaces where you would never even be able to travel. So um, I am all for social media, and uh, I tell you, um, we have a worldwide following, and we're so proud of what we've created here many years ago with Coffee Talk Jazz. Uh, currently, we're in um, 318 U.S. cities, and uh, we're in over 100 countries, and we have well over 600,000 fans that tune into the show every week, and our emails are inundated. Um, sorry, guys. You guys, I promise I won't try and answer as many emails as I can today. Um, I was kind of moved with trepidation to even look at my email today, and I looked at it before uh, Showtime, and I had over 400 emails. I'm like, I thought I answered some of those, but folks were tweeting about you. Um, folks were wondering, when are the rest of the group from Foreplay coming? What time is Chuck's show? And 
So we had put it out there on social media to let them know that, and we did know you were going to be in Spain, and uh, we do want to give a shout-out to your beautiful wife, uh, Carmen, so hopefully she's listening to um, the show. So we know everything, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You know, that's, that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of, of having uh, all that access, and, and it's just a thrill. You know, it's great. Chuck, I, I have – this is what I wanted to make. I wanted to make a comment first. Um, listening to you, I'm from Brooklyn, by the way. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. So you have a fellow New Yorker here on the line with you. But uh, let me the just one thing I, and say that I, lived, I lived in Brooklyn for 11 years. So oh wow! Okay, okay, very good. <laughs> you know, Chuck. The one thing I'm, I'm listening to your voice, and I'm picking up the excitement, and the energy, and the happiness, and the joy in your voice, and it is so refreshing to hear. This coming from you. Tell me mm-hmm. now. Now, I have to ask you this, and I'm just dying to know. Tell me about the call when Bob James. <laughs> oh, I, I just. How, how did you? How did that happen? Actually, I was right here. I was. I was in. I was in my place in Spain with Carmen, and um, I got it. I'll go back, set it up a little bit because um, I've known Bob James for a long, long time. Um, and I have produced some music for his CDs, and I've played on several and toured with him as well. So we're we're close friends, and we were neighbors in New York. We lived about five minutes from each other, so oh, wow. he would come over to my studio, and I'd go over to his studio, and we we, we did a lot. It was it was a really nice um, relationship, and uh, so we had worked together. And then um, about maybe I think it might have been about six years ago or so, Larry. Carlton had a conflict, and they had a show that um, they needed a guitar player to sub for him on, and they called me at that time as a sub, and they said, uh, you know, we'd like you to come and fill in for Larry. Well, you know, that was just like one of the greatest phone calls I ever got, this this second greatest, because then uh, I couldn't, what happened was Larry actually ended up being able to do that show, so it didn't happen. But just the fact that they called me because of it, and then... When I was over here in Spain, I got a call from the manager from Sony Avalar. He called me and he said, the guys would like to talk to you. And uh, we set up a meeting and we had a talk on the phone. And I had a feeling what it might be about. Um, but when they actually asked the question, uh, you know, I had to think about it for at least, I think it was two seconds. <laughs> before, uh, but it, it was, you know, it, it was just a, a thrill. I, I'm a huge fan, you know. I'm a huge fan of this group. I just always I loved the songs and the playing and the production and, and who doesn't, you know? And uh, so to be a fan and then to be asked to uh, to do that, yeah, you know, it's, it doesn't get any better than that, really. And the other thing I'd like to say is, you know, the first album that you recorded with the group, you know, the very successful album, Let's Touch the Sky. You know, yeah. Bob James wrote the title track. But that title track had that Latin presence, which said, Chuck Loeb is here. Um, but <laughs> tell me about that significance of that second track, Third Degree. Well, you know, it's interesting. When we, I was only in the band for only really about a couple of months when we went in to record Let's Touch the Sky. Uh, so it was. It's kind of like being thrown into the 
to the pool so you learn how to swim. I, I didn't really know what to expect, and we went right into the studio. And so when they explained to me that the procedure normally is to have each guy contribute two compositions, and then they do a cover song or two, or and um, and to to present some songs. Well, for me, it was so inspiring to think about Bob and Harvey and Nathan playing my music. I wrote about four or five songs. I didn't just write two. And um, Harvey, actually, I think Harvey usually writes about ten of them when he brings <laughs> But uh, I brought in these tunes, and the reason I say that is because the guys, they chose, of the four or five that I brought in, they chose the more challenging tunes, and, and Third Degree is not an easy, it's not a walk in the park. There's a, there's a very difficult section at the end uh, that is quite challenging. And that's what they chose to play. And and so when, uh, I'll tell you just a funny story. When we brought it in, I brought it in and we started playing it together, we were working quite a bit on the rhythm section, on the bass, the drums, and the guitar. And Bob was, you know, doing other stuff, but we were spending a lot of time rehearsing that that uh, that song. And then we said, hey, Bob, you know, I think it's time for you to join in with us. Well, he pulled up the music. First time he played it and just killed it. We were all astounded. And uh, and uh, he, we didn't know it, but actually a lot of the time that we were working, he was in there practicing with his headphones on. <laughs> Anyway, that was the, the, the single, the single from the record. That was, that was it's just a thrilling thing. And like I said, it was only a couple of months that I was in the band, so it was a heady experience. Well, before we go to our next track, I just want to share with you um, what your bandmate had said about you, um, Harvey Mason. And uh, I keep saying his full name because I kept saying Harvey Mason Sr. And he said, no, just call me Harvey. Call my son Junior. He says, I don't really like the senior part, so I'm laughing about that. But specifically, what he said is that he has such great respect for you as an artist, as a musician, uh, as a person. And he said, you came in. He mentioned, he said, there's no chinks in the armor. Uh, it's like I hear him like talking in my head, and he's talking about you. And you can hear this burst of respect and love um, from Harvey talking about you. And he had mentioned, uh, you know, Lee Rittenauer, who was also one of our legends back in December, and he'd also mentioned Larry Carlson. He said, you know, coming behind those guys, one gentleman being in for 13 years, the other gentleman being in for eight, it's like you're coming in, and it's like, God, who can possibly, this is just me, who could possibly play the way that those guys did? He said, and when you came in, it was, it was like love at first bite, r- really. He said, you came in, and you just, you fit perfectly. He says, I hope he stays forever, and he never leaves. So you have to stay forever now, Chuck. <laughs> well, I, they're, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to, it'd be hard for, for them to get rid of me at this point. But, <laughs> that was what yeah. he shared um, about you. And I want to get into some more of this great music. We're going to come back with some more, um, more great jazz conversation. The next track we're going to play is actually the title track, A Spree to Four. And did you want to set this one up for us, Chuck? Sure. Uh, again, uh, Harvey is the guy that brings in quite a bit of material when we get ready to record. And uh, this one, as soon as he played it for us, it was unanimous with the other three. We do everything by vote. And the three of us just said, no, this has got to be there. Because it's just a very heartwarming, you know, it became the title track. It wasn't titled when he, when he brought it in. It became the title track because it has that heartwarming feeling and, and that feeling of unity and, and uplifting uh, So, you 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 know what I mean. 
All right, so here we go with Esprit uh, de Four. Let's take a listen.
Hi, this is guitarist Ken Navarro. Have you heard about Coffee Talk Jazz Radio? Join the Coffee Talk party each and every week with radio personality and host Ms. Bridgette Lewis. You'll experience the very best there is in diversity and talent. Get ready to hear rich, cutting-edge sounds along with contemporary jazz, smooth jazz, a touch of funk, straight-ahead, modern bebop, and swing. Jazz musicians like me dig deep when they play, and we write from our souls while creating one-of-a-kind music. You'll hear lyrics even though no one's speaking on each track. There's always a unique and undeniable message in each and every song. You'll hear music of mine like this, The Stars, The Snow, The Fire, a track from my brand new CD, Dreaming of Trains. So make it a point to be a part of Coffee Talk Jazz Radio every week with host Miss Bridgette Lewis. I'm Ken Navarro. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles, California, and today is September the 11th, 2012, and is a very significant day for our country. Eleven years ago, um, we lost um, many men and women and first responders in the 9-11 tragedy, so I just want to say thank you um, to our servicemen who keep our shores and our borders um, safe for us, and we did not want to um, overlook September the 11th because it was a standout day in history um, for Americans. So we are back. And um, welcome back, Reggie, and welcome back, Chuck. And um, before we move forward, just want to tell you all who is sitting on the Musician's Corner, oftentimes folks want to know, Miss Bridget, who do you listen to when you're not listening to all the tracks that are coming in? Right now I'm listening to Michael Presidian, uh, saxophonist, got a lot of love for the East Coast. He is out of Linwood, New Jersey. He has a new project entitled Live at the Loft, and it is that old-fashioned, um, old-fashioned jazz. I love it. Also on the Musician's Corner is a saxophonist, Cameron Ross, New Perspective. It's a gospel jazz track, and he is climbing up the charts. I love Cameron CD. I was playing it on Sunday on the way to church. And uh, our Latin jazz series is coming back next month, and I'm also listening to um, the spirit-filled Latin jazz Afro-Cuban band with Hamid Cooper. We don't want to forget about Mr. Sam Hankins. His CD is called Nothing Between Us. He sits on the Musician's Corner. And a young lady, uh, Elizabeth Mist, uh, she is an amazing saxophonist. So that's what I've been listening to. And then lastly, let me let you all know who is coming to the show. It is absolutely Guitar Week, and we couldn't have done it better by kicking off um, Guitar Week with our living legend, Chuck Lowe, and we have Mr. Paul Jackson, Jr., who will be with us on Ooh. Thursday, the 13th, from 7 until 8.30, and uh, he has so much to say, and Paul Jackson, Jr. and I have a very rich background and history together, but I won't tell you guys the secret of what it is. You guys have to tune and listen to the show. Guys, so we're back, and uh, Reg... I want you to elaborate a little bit more. Before we went to break and listened to Esprit de Four, um, we, uh, Chuck was talking about um, how each member of the group uh, contributes something so wonderful, uh, supposed to be two tracks, but oftentimes a lot more. And you yourself, Rich, had listened to the entire 
CD and just share some of your comments about that. that. Well, you know, we we received so many uh, CDs and and singles and lead singles that um, we play um, for the artist and at the artist's request. Um, Sometimes we don't have the chance to listen to an entire CD. Chuck, when I received the the CD and I was able to listen to Esprit de Four, each individual track is outstanding. You guys, you've you've upheld the standard and raised the bar. Every track is outstanding. But on top of that, the arrangement of the track order. Every track complements the track that preceded it or comes after it. Um, phenomenal job in the arrangement of the track order. It's truly a, a CD that you can put in, hit the button play, and enjoy it from track one to track nine. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we we put a lot of thought into it, um, into exactly that, because although in this day and age when you can flip from track to track so easily or put even make your own playlist, in your uh, iPad or your computer, we still think it's important when somebody puts the CD in, if they want to listen from beginning to end, that it have a story to tell. And uh, so I'm so glad that you you mentioned that. And by the way, thank you so much. I, I That to me is the greatest compliment when somebody says, yeah, you know, there's no throwaway track. There's this, every track works on a CD. And, and as you say, you know, foreplay, for me, that was the way it always was with, with this group. So, so to keep that tradition going is important. But the uh, we were on the road. Uh, we we do a lot of uh, emailing back and forth when we're not together, and uh, we had sent several ideas about the order while we were apart. And then we, when we came together on the road, we had pretty much decided, and at the last minute, um, we made a couple of changes. I won't say what they are. But it wasn't easy. It really, a lot of thought went into it. So I'm so glad for you to say that it worked. It, it worked. It worked very well, Chuck. And, and kudos to you and and Bob and Nathan and Harvey. You guys did a phenomenal job with the project. Absolutely. Wow. Um, our time is almost spent, but I want to stretch it out just a little bit, Chuck. There's a couple more questions I want to ask. You want to get in one more track. And I want to talk about, musical learning styles for a moment and um, I want to talk about musical learning styles and some players learn their musical craft through improv, well back in the day through improv, through um, copy phrasing or by listening to various recordings of their favorite artists and a little bit of ear training. As a professional educated musician teaching clinics and traveling around the globe, is there a best way to learn a musical technique? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously many ways, and there's a lot of there's probably as many ways as there are musicians on the planet. But <laughs> I think there's there's some fundamental things that I believe are invaluable. Okay, so very quickly, because you could talk about this for a long time. Um, one thing that's very very important is pacing. And what I mean by that is young musicians and actually almost all musicians even as they get older they want to they want to learn quickly and they want to they want to feel like they can do whatever they need to do and learn what they need to learn quickly but they're 
I can't say enough to young students about the benefit of, of slowing things down and taking a phrase or taking a song or taking a solo, uh, whatever it is you're working on, and slowing it way down and letting yourself do it in a way that's truly relaxed. Because <clears throat> that relaxed feeling that you have when you're learning something will stay with you as you speed it up and it becomes part of your vocabulary. So I think it's very important. That's one element that's very important to impress on younger students when they're learning something. Take your time. Let it develop. Let your fingers and muscles and mind develop at their own pace and don't rush it because what happens if you try it too fast is you learn the mistakes because inevitably you'll make some mistakes by playing too fast. The other thing I would say, you mentioned, you know, listening to your favorite players and um, gleaning what you can from them. Um, that is invaluable. So let's say somebody is a big fan of, uh, you mentioned Walter Beasley before, and, and let's say somebody says, well, I don't want to play the saxophone, I want to play like that. Well, there's nothing better than to take your instrument and try to copy what your favorite players play. Now, that doesn't mean you want to play exactly like them, because when you um, do, when you actually get to the point where you're playing it yourself, it'll sound like you no matter what. It's not going to sound like them. It's always going to sound like you. So, you know, don't be afraid of that just because you're copying somebody else's solos. Sure. Anyway, those are... Those are some ways that you can look at it. Yeah, I believe it, that um, like your sound, for example, we just got done um, running Ken Navarro's commercial. Paul Jackson Jr. will be on the show on the 13th. And then there's your sound. Oh. And what's so funny is each one of your musical signatures is so distinct and so unique. And so when you mention you can listen to uh, your mentor's you know, music and then strum along with him and give him those great guitar riffs, but once you kind of get your own rhythm you're going to sound like yourself, like no two fingerprints are alike, no two guitarists are alike either. You know, there's, if I have time, I'll just say one quick thing. Oh, First no, no, all, no, you're, you're, you're good. You're good. We, I actually extended the show because folks are, like, chiming in through the chat room, and they have something to say, so we're going to read what's going on in the chat. But, no, please go ahead, Chuck. You're good. Okay, two quick things. First of all, Paul Jackson, Jr., we, we have a band together uh, called Guitars with three Zs at the end, uh, Paul <laughs> and, and me and um, – Kelly Minucci, and the three of us go out shows together. We haven't done it in a while, but but we've done a bunch of shows together. And, and Paul, I have to just say, when he's on the air, please tell him I'm his biggest fan. He knows it already, but I'm his biggest fan, and I just think the world of him as a, as a musician, as a guitarist, and as a person, and and uh, love the guy. And and Ken Navarro, I haven't gotten a chance to play as much or, or know Ken quite as well, but another just huge talent. So I want to I want to. Sh- do some shout-outs to those two guys. Oh, wow. Um, I will make sure to tag you on Twitter. Um, there's a beautiful picture of, of uh, Paul Jackson Jr. and I. Last year we were at um, the Boys and Girls Club, and I had a chance to get up and speak, and, and uh, it was uh, Alphonse Bizant and Michael Branford. And, um, oh, my God, I see his face. I cannot think of his name. Kevin Tony. Oh, God, he would so get me if, if he knew, uh, but yeah, I couldn't remember his yeah. name. So they, were, they actually did a wonderful benefit um, concert uh, last year for boys and girls, and we were talking about music education, which is a great segue uh, into my next question. I am so impassioned um, about early school music programs, and I personally believe that they lay the foundation for better music, for better musicians, in the future, and oftentimes 
you know, the school budgets are reviewed, and the music program or the arts program is the first program to get the SNP. So can you speak to early music education, how very vital and important it is um, for our children in building self-esteem and everything? I just couldn't say enough about it. When my two daughters are both very musical, and one of them is in the music business. My daughter, Lucy, is a guitarist, singer, and songwriter. And my other daughter is also very musical. Every time we discuss, and they went to a very good school outside of New York City, but their absolute favorite memories of their entire education uh, have to do with music. And they it's a well-known fact that music and art um, always, when, when there's an emphasis on music and art, Students do better better in those in the other areas in math and science and English because in history because they open up a part of your brain in a way that that makes you more eager to learn and and I think uh, you know I, I we had to get up super early on Saturdays so they could go to marching band but you know every minute of it was worth worth it because uh, it meant so much to us and and I th- it's a sh- heartbreak to me. Um, that all the budget cutting is going on in these areas uh, in um, the arts. It's just, it's so short-sighted. People are not mm, seeing the benefits that I know exist. And I, I hope I hope that does change um, and so that we can keep arts in education. It's just so very important. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. That's why three years ago, I started what's called the Gift of Music Foundation um, for Children. It was named after my late uncle, who had a voice that would just make you cry. It was just—he's an amazing, amazing um, tenor and, and um, musician. And so I created the Gift of Music Foundation um, for children. And so we have three middle schools and two high schools in Los Angeles that uh, we like to go out and sit down and talk to them about music education, bring the musicians out you know, in the classroom, and then let them speak directly to the hearts of the children, let them talk to the administrators. So you all are professionals out on the road, and we want to share uh, with the faculty how transformative it is to have kids into the arts because it gives them a self-esteem and a discipline that sometimes they may not get it. It may necessarily give them the focus to kind of keep them, you know, out of trouble. So for our fans that are listening, if you guys want to get in on this, no amount is too big or too small. You go right to coffeetalkjazzradio.com. It's the third tab. It says Foundation. It'll give you a lot more information. You can give as much as $10, $1,000. will fund a child's education for a whole entire year. That just really breaks down to $22 a week, $83 a month. Yes, I love numbers, you guys. I'm just saying I'm really impassioned. I'm on my soapbox, but I really hope you guys will go and just give so we can keep our budding musicians alive because guess what? There could be another Chuck Loeb in there or Harvey Mason. I mean, are you guys serious? Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself right now. Absolutely. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. And I urge people to do to go there, check out that site, and make a donation because we need arts and we need students to, uh, to, to make this world a richer place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, Reg, did you have uh, something you wanted you wanted to add? And and we're going to play another song, and then we're going to take it out. Well, well Chuck just briefly mentioned um, his musical family. So uh, just a question. When you have that amount of musicianship and talent in the house, do you, do you guys ever get together and do anything during the course of your normal day when you're not performing and 
Um, I know you've performed with um, your daughter, and you've written songs um, and performed with, with Carmen as well. Um, do you do that during the course of your normal day? This is this is kind of how the day would go. It's um, you know, practicing. I'm practicing the guitar uh, while the coffee is uh, brewing, and then uh, Carmen is working on her new album. And uh, you know, and then we do the laundry, and then we go to the next song. It's all intertwined. Uh, Lizzie's doing a new, you know, YouTube video. It's just so integrated into our lives, and well, it has been for a long time because I have a studio in my house. Um, and in New York, and and so, you know, the kids grew up with, uh, you know, like we mentioned Michael Brecker before, Gato Barbieri. You know, they grow up, they they come downstairs, and and there'd be, uh, you know, Michael Brecker playing a solo in the garage while she was there on their way to go to uh, soccer practice. So it was, it's just completely entwined in our lives, and um, it, it's it's amazing. And sometimes, you know, just for fun, we'll all sit around and. My, my oldest daughter plays ukulele, and we'll grab a guitar and a ukulele and play, uh, you know, five Beatles songs in a row, everybody shouting at the top, singing at the top of their lungs. <laughs> a musical family. What is it? Uh, a family that plays together stays together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, I want to see if we can squeeze in one more track, and the next track I want to play I just can't get enough of Firefly. I just I love this track, so I want to play Firefly. We'll come back and ask a few more questions, and then we'll take it out. So um, we'll go ahead and we'll play uh, Firefly, and uh, we'll come back with more good coffee and great chat. And I'll tell you guys what's happening in the chat room, too, because they're, like, blowing up the chat room right now. Okay, so here we go.
www.coffeetalkjazzradio.com Enjoy the show. And we're back, and I'm so glad you guys are here to join the jazz conversation with our living legend, guitarist and composer educator Chuck Lowe, and a very special co-host, Reggie the Jazz Man of Smooth Jazz Mixes. And I want to make sure that I give a big shout-out and hello to the Heads Up International and Concord Music team uh, in New York and Beverly Hills. Um, They've been extremely instrumental in coordinating our time together with all of the legends. We know they are super busy. So I want to give a big shout-out to Sonny, the manager for 4Play, and um, to Matt McKinney, who handles uh, all things on the website and related to news, and to Mike Wolpazinski, who is the VP of Publicity. So just want to give a shout-out to uh, what a well-oiled machine and great team you guys have. I feel like I'm part of the family now, too, Chuck. Thank you. <laughs> and you absolutely are, Bridget. Without a doubt. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Reg, did you have another question to ask, Chuck? And then we're going we're gonna to take it off. You ask the question, I'll have one more, and then we'll take it out. Actually, you know, I didn't have a question, but I, I just wanted to make a statement. Um, sure. Because it's it's such a pleasure, 
and like Bridget just got finished saying, um, taking time from your busy schedule or taking time out of your personal downtime to -hmm. share time with us and to share yourself with us. So for that, um, for for as far as myself and Bridget, we both like like to say thank you. Um, And I just want to tell you, means a lot to me too, Reggie. Thank you. And 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 to tell you that you know to to stay encouraged, successful. Nothing but the best for you to enjoy your well-deserved time off and continued blessings and success to to you and your family. And that that's I didn't have any more questions, but I just wanted to make sure I, I was I could get that to you because you you're a phenomenal musician. Your fit in foreplay is perfection, and and you guys you guys are are you're like a chemistry model. It's the perfect balance. It's just it's it's a wonderful sound, and I'm telling you, we're looking for continued success and just great things for you, Chuck. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. All right, My awesome. Um, just coming from the chat room from Morris Legrand, he says, please thank Chuck for letting us know um, that he's still in the game. We love you, an art and fan. He said, um, without um, he says without the transitional. Uh, radio, thank God for uh, internet. It's extremely encouraging. So glad to hear the interview. And uh, Joyce from uh, Joyce Spencer, saxophone from Texas. She says hello. Jazzy Harris from New Carlton, Maryland says hello. Uh, folks want to know how often is the show? One of the legends coming back. So for our fans who are asking, if you all go to Coffee Talk Jazz Radio dot com, go right to the calendar section. It has. The Coffee Ladies itinerary will tell you where I will be. It will let you know who's actually coming to the show next. You guys are welcome to um, send in requests. And I said, and right now um, we have a six-month wait list. Um, I can't answer the phones fast enough. We can't answer the emails fast enough. We are thrilled and excited about um, what Coffee Talk Jazz is uh, bringing to the world of jazz. And my last question for you, and this is kind of a, this is kind of a fun one, um, what does your best Saturday morning look like, Chuck? Hmm. Well, um, I, I happen to uh, be lucky enough to be near uh, the water, Ooh, uh, near boy. near beach, and we have a little dog, um, a Pomeranian, and uh, honestly, any morning, but a Saturday morning in particular, uh, we would take uh, my wife and I would take. Um, Annie, and walk uh, a few blocks down to the beach and take a beautiful walk and hopefully, uh, you know, tire up for a little while and get you in the water. And um, the other thing I would say is then, uh, you know, to uh, be able to spend time with my family. It's it's an important part of our lives to be together and spend time together. And, uh, and you know, weekends are always a good time for that. I, I, uh, I travel a lot, so I really appreciate the time that I have uh, when I'm at home with my family. Sure, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And uh, just this last little bit, and then we're going to go ahead and, and um, take it out. People keep passing me notes. I'm just like, I know, I know. I just want to thank everyone who came out to the R&B Soul Funk Show with uh, Evelyn Champagne King and another smooth jazz uh, guitar great, Freddie Fox. We had a ball in Marina Del Rey on Labor Day. I tell you, um, they need to add extra security. I mean, it was crazy how they almost, like, tore down the stage. It was it was amazing to see. Anyway, Evelyn has got the chops, such a classy and gracious lady. If you'd like, all like to see the pictures, just go right, right to uh, Bridget Wide Lewis on Facebook, and all the pictures are there. 
And I'm really excited to report that um, Coffee Talk Jazz crew and I are going to be hanging out at uh, Base Camp Live in October in downtown Los Angeles. More details to come. But I'm going to be down there hanging out with Mr. Marcus Miller, Verdine White, and Bootsy Collins. And I got the call three days ago. You guys know I'm excited, right? Something about those guitar and bass players. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just That's saying. a lot of bass playing right there. I know. I know. So, Chuck, thank you so much. And um, I'm really excited. Uh, um, the team and I will be down uh, in October down in Newport Beach to support um, foreplay. So you know I'm thrilled. I'm just. Oh, that's I'm, wonderful. I'm over the. I'm over the moon. I got the word. I'm like ah. Okay. That's great. So, um, <laughs> that's great. I just like if if it's okay, I just want to say one thing. You mentioned uh, September 11th. You know, it's such a such sure. a he- heavy day for us all. Remember, I'm a New Yorker, and you know it's. Uh, it's just a, a very heavy thing, but I, I just, again, want to join you in, in thanking all the people that protect us. It's so important. So, oh, And, uh, yeah. you know, remembering all that, those people that, that were lost is important. And, and uh, music is, uh, brings us together, and, and hopefully that will help heal things. Yeah. It, you know, it, what's so funny, Chuck, it's like, it's like I don't want to let you go, but I know you're with your family. I know we're like 10 hours ahead in Spain, but this has just been such a great musical fellowship, you know, for me uh, and for Reggie, and um, hopefully we can do it when the next project comes out and uh, maybe do a tag team, have you and Nathan on or you and Harvey or you and you and Bob, but uh, it's just been wonderful and amazing. So, uh, Reggie, I also want to thank you for being my wingman on this project. You know, I love you from the heart. So we're going to go ahead and take it out. Uh, with music in our hearts and jazz in our souls, we want to thank you, our friends, fans, and supporters, for making Coffee Talk Jazz Radio and now television number one. I love you for listening. I'll see you next time. We'll go ahead and take it out with Venus from uh, 4Play, their project, Esprit de Four. See you on Thursday. Mm-hmm. 